Caleb Martin saved it. Thurman to Johnson. The lob. Caroline. How sweet it is for Jordan Caroline. I'm Nevada basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my co-host Austin. What you guys just heard was a soundbite from the basketball game on Saturday. Uh, it was Jordan Caroline throwing down a vicious dunk on a lob from Jazz Johnson. Uh, Nevada did beat Boise State by a score of 93-73. to It was the only game of the weekend thing that we covered. Uh, the Nevada Southern beatdown on last week's show. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game, Austin? Uh, overall, I think we played a, a really good game. I uh, I think we offensively we came out hot. Um, we didn't have to wait till the second half. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we played a really good game. Uh, our offense came out hot. Uh, we didn't have to wait till the second half. Um, five, I believe five people in double digits uh, scoring is great. Um, our defense was able to step up in the first half to get us that early lead. Um, overall, I think we played great. I think once we play like that, I don't think there's a team that we face that doesn't um, that that we don't beat. Um, I think overall, I think the team played great. I mean, Cody had a great game. Caleb dropped a thirty bomb, which was great to see. Um, Jordan Caroline another double double. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it was great to see the team come together and uh, put up that easy dub. Yeah, as you mentioned, five players scored in double figures. You had Caleb drop 30, Cody drop 21, Jordan Caroline 13, Trayshawn with 10, and Jazz Johnson with 12. It was funny seeing earlier in the day NC's 24th ranked uh, NC State Wolfpack, the other Wolfpack, the Martin, uh, the Mar Twins' former team, only put up 24 points. It was very funny to see Caleb Martin outscore his former team 30 to 24. We sent out a tweet um, as soon as Caleb passed NC State, and it got a lot of I got a love it got a lot of love from the Wolfpack fans. Thank you guys for all that support on social media. But no, Caleb Martin played a full forty minutes. Kind of kind of interesting to see. He just dropped thirty points on nine of sixteen shooting, five of eleven from the field from three, and seven of nine from uh, free throw. And I think this is. Um, the, the new style of play for Caleb. He's shooting more efficiently. He's not like uh, looking for that first three-point opportunity. He's moving the ball. And I think one thing Coach uh, Moss alluded to during the press conference was he had 32 paint touches, paint touches, whether that was with the ball or without the ball. So I think this is important for Caleb's game because he's not going to look for that first shot. He's looking for other options. Right, and I think the uh, the fact that he goes into the paint and gets all those paint touches um, really helps him out in the three-point uh, shooting aspect. I mean, now that he's getting to the paint more and driving the ball, and as a team we're getting to the paint more, um, we're able to see his efficiency from the three-point go up, his efficiency from field goal go up. So, um, I mean, yeah, he absolutely went crazy outscoring his former team. Um, I mean, and then Cody wasn't too far behind him. He had 21 points, played 36 minutes, um, seven assists. I mean, playing as one of the top uh, point guards in the nation. So um, it's really great to see them both um, come together and uh, really take over this game. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned uh, Cody Martin as one of the top point guards in the nation. Listen to what Coach Must had to say postgame. He's shooting the ball really well. Um, he's been shooting really well in, uh, you know, in, in shooting drills and practice, and he's got good good arch and, and his follow throughs. He's following through with a high hand, and um, 
you know, I just think our team is, is kind of figured out, you know, who we are offensively and, and they're really comfortable in their roles right now. And, you know, he's, we're, we're running some plays for him as well. I mean, tonight we ran some, some dribble drive plays for him to try to get him to the basket. And, you know, you look at a guy and he plays 36 minutes and has seven assists and just one turnover and four steals. Oh, and by the way, you know, scores the ball pretty good. I mean, he's playing as well as anyone in the country at his position. It's not. In, it's interesting to hear what Musa had to say about Cody and how his offensive game has really transformed from the beginning yeah. of the season. He wasn't really scoring a lot at the beginning of the season, but now he's put on some really good performances. I think. I think his offensive game has really stepped up since that last Boise game. Since he hit the game winner, you see he dropped twenty one points. He had uh, shooting the ball eight of eleven from the field, really efficient. Two from three yep. from the deep and three for three from the line. But I think another interesting point of the game is he had seven assists and only one turnover. So he's playing at the elite level for a point guard. Right, and he's incredibly efficient as a like as a point guard. He's able to only turn over, like you said, only turn over the ball once, get uh, get seven assists, and we were, and then on the flip flip side of that, our defense was able to um, turn force eleven turnovers. So um, defensively and offensively. Um, complete game and I don't think there is many point guards out there that is playing better than Cody Martin right now yeah and that was something we alluded to on last week's show uh talking about Boise State they uh the game in Boise we turned the ball over 14 times uh which isn't a staple of Musa's style of play uh and you look at this game we only turned the ball over four times which is incredible seeing how fast of a pace we play and it's just really good to see. You're going to win a lot of ball games when you don't turn the ball over more than five times. Oh yeah, and I I agree, and that's why I keep saying the the way we play, um, the way we played on Saturday is a way we need to play when it really matters in March. I don't think there's a lot of teams in the country right now that could beat us when we're playing like uh, the way we're playing. So um, yeah, I think the I mean, I don't know if we could have played a better game. Um, on Saturday, I mean, I guess we could have held them to a little bit of a um, little worse field goal percentage in the second half. But, I mean, other than that, it's like we played such a great game. Our offense was clicking on all cylinders. I mean, it, there was like a minute left. We were up by 20, and people are still diving on the ground, um, diving for loose balls. So, like, the um, the energy and the want to win is so great with this team that I I, uh, I really think a lot of teams should look out for us in March. Yeah, no, this was something that when Musk, when Musk, when we lost to, when we got killed by Washington, Musk was talking about the hustle. Yep. And this is one of the big examples of a hustle. Look at what happened. We up by 20 with a minute left, and you have people diving on the floor for going for a loose ball. Yep. That's what you love to see out of a team. Now, we're not going to avoid the elephant in the room or whatever the saying is. Uh, the refs were just god-awful. Yeah, they were they were horrible. Uh, and... That that charging call on Caleb in the first half was the loudest I've ever heard Lawler. Every fan uh, in the arena was booing. Right. I thought the I thought the lid was gonna pop off of that place when, yeah, when I, the call was made. I thought I thought there might have been a hole in the top of uh in the top of Lawler. Right. But the refs were just like all they were awful. They were calling um they called multiple technicals on Nevada. One mm-hmm. of them was warranted, one of them was not. Uh, must kind of deserve that one for storming on the court, right. trying to talk uh, the ref's ear. But I, I don't think you give a tech to Trayshawn for celebrating a three-point. 
I don't know if he said anything to the Boise State bench, but I don't I don't think Trayshawn's technical is warranted. Right. I mean, and it did look from the replay. Um, I was on. I was unfortunately not able to go to the game, so I was watching at home. But through the replays that they were showing through TV, it looked like he was kind of yelling at his face a little bit. But I mean, it's like the emotions are high. It's Mountain West Conference play. You have some some rivals that come to that come to town. I mean, emotions run high. So I I mean, I get it. It's just you don't want to see those technical fouls. Um, the one on coach was kind of like a cumulative one. It was kind of throughout the game, a little more yelling, a little bit more yelling, and then he eventually got the technical. So um. But I, yeah, I think I think overall fouls were kind of uh, was kind of a story in this game. The refs continued to call every single foul, so we saw that on the, the box sheet. Um, Jordan Caroline fouled out eventually. Trayshawn Thurman with four fouls. Trey Porter with four fouls. So our bigs got in foul trouble again. But um, I I think it was just due to the the ticky tacky ref the calls that the refs were calling. Yeah, it seemed like the refs were calling a lot more yeah. uh, in favor of Boise State than yeah, Nevada. I agree. Uh, there were. Couple, there was a play where Jazz Johnson got dunked on. Mm-hmm. Jazz Johnson was in the restricted circle, <laughs> and fans thought, "Fan, like, I get it, I get it." Nevada fans think every call should go their way, but that's not how basketball is. Right. I I was at a point like that, like, but then realizing it, like, when you see it in live person, when you actually have a good angle, and you see that's what the restriction, the restricted zone is for. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully, as we get into the rest of the rest of the season, of Mountain West play, the refs are better. Hopefully, the Mountain West takes a look at their officials, see and, and they rewatch the game to see how bad some calls were. You would hope uh, that Caleb that Caleb call was just awful. Yeah, and um, I I don't know. I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if the personal fouls were should be a hundred percent on the refs, but um, it's the fouls on this game and even going back to uh, last game too. It's interesting to look at the uh, personal fouls kept going up. I think Trey Porter had four this game and four last game, so it's yeah, interesting. Both, uh, both Trey's had four. Right. I think it's, they've each had four in each of the last three games. Which is pretty uncharacteristic for a Muscleman team. Um, going back to his very first mm-hmm. year, we've never been a team to get in foul trouble. So that is a small thing that I've just been keeping an eye on, is how many fouls are our bigs going to get into um, down the stretch. But... Like with last game and this game, I think the refs were um, calling some tight calls on us. So I don't know if that's going to be a problem going forward, but it is something to watch. Yeah, Nevada committed 20 fouls. Right. Uh, Trey had four. Trey Sean had four. Jordan Caroline had five. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I don't – yeah, the, these refs are calling yeah. like nit, very nitpicky fouls. Mm-hmm. And it, it slows the tempo of the game, especially when Nevada is a team that likes to run. Oh, yeah. I mean, this game was incredibly slow. The, the pace was definitely in um, Boise State's favor, so that kind of makes what we did even more impressive. But, um, yeah, we weren't able to kind of play our style of offense that um, Moss usually likes to run that, um, you know, free-flying, don't really call a play, just go um, to kind of get a transition bucket. Um, but they Boise State really did a good job on slowing slowing the ball down. Um, I mean the fouls definitely did help a lot, but no matter what, um, slow pace or not, we still our offense efficiency put us ten steps ahead of Boise State in this game, and it showed through the scoreline. Now, one thing we've seen early in the season is uh, Nevada likes to get to the free throw line. Yeah, Nevada only got to the ball thirteen times, and that's something I think most wants to definitely increase. You saw Caleb Martin go to the line nine times. So 9 of 13, you'd like to see other players get to the line. But I do think it's interesting to see uh, Cody Martin's shot development. He, he's now 
He's worked on that three-point shot over the summer and in practice. He's now becoming a somewhat reliable three-point shooter, as this was something that he was not last year and especially earlier in the year. Yeah, I think um, Cody Martin and I think Jordan Caroline are two people that kind of um, kind of gotten like neck and neck of like three-point shooting because last year we both knew that they could shoot. Maybe Jordan's a little bit better, but this year both of them have been um, – incredibly efficient with their three-point shooting um against Boise State on Saturday Cody Martin two for three that's great efficiency uh but something that was really interesting to me was Jordan Caroline didn't get to the free throw line at all the entire game um against Boise State which was which is really uncharacteristic for Jordan Caroline and like you said a Muscleman team in general so um I think I think the three-point shot is coming around. We would like to see other players get to the free-throw line besides just Caleb. But, I mean, like we all know how Sean and Jordan and even Trey Porter can get to the line. Um, so I don't think this game was really something to worry about. It was just interesting to look at how Jordan Caroline literally didn't go to the free-throw line at all. And um, But, yeah, incredible, incredible efficiency from three-point from Cody Martin, and I think Jordan Caroline and Cody Martin are going to continue to shoot the ball well. Yeah, you talk about not going to the free-throw line for Jordan Caroline, and you see his style of play. Yeah. Uh, especially the way he plays in the low post, the way he, he likes to attack the rim. That was just interesting to see. But looking ahead at the Wolfpack, uh, the sixth-ranked uh, Nevada Wolfpack travel to Fort Collins, Colorado, to face the Rams. We faced them not not too long ago. Right. Uh, we beat them 100 to 60. Uh, that was Mus Mus's 100th win on the on the uh, for his career at Nevada. Uh, this game is on Wednesday the sixth. Game time 7 p.m. and you can catch it on CBS Sports Network. Uh, I think one thing for Nevada is they got to stop Nico Carvacho. Uh, Dude is the leading rebounder in the NCAA, so he's gonna be a he's gonna be a force, and especially uh, if Trey Porter and Trey Sean get in foul trouble, it could be it could mean bad things for the Wolfpack. Right, and I think that it goes hand in hand with just keeping up with Colorado State's rebounding. Um, last game we did an excellent job. I think we got out rebounded by four. Um, so the and Colorado State's an excellent rebounding team because of Carvalho or Cavacho. Um, he rebounds the ball so incredibly well that it makes their them as a unit uh, rebound the ball well. So we just got to keep uh, rebounding the ball with them, keep up with that uh, pace, and really just shoot the ball like we did last time we played them. Um, you know, early in the season when the threes weren't dropping, uh, Caleb Martin said, if we'd make four or five more threes, no one's questioning about our three-point shooting. And lately that's been, that's been uh, spot on. You know, they've been making their threes. No one... They've been taking great shots, and I think that's going to continue against Colorado State. Yeah, uh, looking at the last matchup, Carvacho had nine defensive rebounds, five offensive rebounds. So he's giving Colorado State extra possessions. It's just the fact that Colorado State also turned the ball over 21 times. So, And this Nevada team definitely outmatches it, but you got to watch out for Carvacho. Carvacho, J.D. Page dropped 18 points um, against the Wolfpack. So... Uh, I I do think it's it's something to watch. JD Page, uh, six of eleven from the field, six of eight from deep. So uh, he's definitely a scorer that I think we'll, we'll have to see how Nevada uh, keeps from limiting him. But the, Nevada did a very good job limiting Carvacho uh, scoring the ball, only allowing eleven points. But in that game, Nevada dropped, as we mentioned, a hundred. All five starters dropped double digits, including Jordan Caroline, who dropped uh, twenty six points. 
So I, I do think Nevada will definitely come away with an easy win. Uh, Trace, this was Sean who added 10 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals. This was the game where Musk uh, called, essentially called Sean Thurman a Swiss Army knife for this team. Right. Yeah, I think I think this game is going to be um, similar to the last one as to where we just are incredibly uh, more talented in almost every position. Um, that and that shows with five of our starters scoring in double digits. Jazz having seven points. Jordan Brown, ha- or yeah, Jordan Brown having five points. So I think we're going to see a lot of the same um, in during this game coming up as well. I just am worried about uh, the rebounding aspect of it, and our bigs can't get into foul trouble because we have to limit their big down low. So yeah, uh, Colorado State comes into this game. Winners of two of their last three following the Nevada loss. They beat Fresno State 74-65. They lost to Boise by two, and then they killed Air Force 85-53. to So this is a Colorado State team who is coming off a very big road win. And let's see, and it'll be interesting to see how momentum for them carries because they're nine and thirteen on the year. They're seventh in the Mountain West. They're four and five in conference. So it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, as we mentioned, Nevada killed them by forty, but then they're just coming off a huge win against Air Force, and Air Force is had Nevada on the ropes for right. for an entire first half, and then yep. uh, Nevada was able to pull away slightly, but. It'll be interesting to see, especially in Colorado State. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like it's so the conference, the Mountain West Conference is so um, so like in shambles that if um, like they blew out Air Force and Air Force was being us at half and we beat Colorado State by 40. So it's hard to play the who be who kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just who shows up on um, that given night. And I think when we play Colorado State again, I think Wolfpack, the Wolfpack's going to show up. We're going to play great and uh, we're going to we're going to take it to them. Yeah, you have three teams who are all within two and a half games of Nevada. You have Utah, Fresno, and San Diego mm-hmm. State, all within two and a half games. Uh, this Nevada team is 21-1, and one, uh, tied for the lead in the NCAA with wins. They are tied with Houston, and they have the best winning percentage. Mm-hmm. Tied, tied with Houston. Tied with Houston. Houston is what? Tied with Houston. Tied with Houston. They're both 21-1, and one, so it's really good to see uh, Nevada's not losing games. Speaking of losing games, Nevada plays this weekend. They return back to Lawler after a one-game road stint to face the one team they lost to, New Mexico. I think this is going to be a very loud arena. Oh, yeah. Lawler will be loud at seeing how Nevada got killed in the first matchup. This game is Saturday, 3 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. But in that, as we mentioned, Nevada lost big, 85-58. Uh, Jordan Caroline only had 17 points on 7 of 17 shooting. But I, I do think that since this game, Nevada has definitely raised its offensive efficiency. But like Boise State, like the game at Boise State, Nevada turned the ball over 14 times. We're going to definitely see them limit it. Nevada got out-rebounded by 10, and we shot 18% from three. Right. Um, I think it's it was just an overall not a good game. I mean, you look at the three-point percentage, you look at our field goal percentage, I mean, the entire the entire time. Um, second half, we shot 28% from the field, 8% from the three during the second half. So it's just, we can't, we can't play like that and expect to even beat a mediocre Mountain West team. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, revenge talk going around the locker room. I think there's going to be a lot of people just wanting to show what they can do against this team because we did get blown out last time. 
Um, I expect it not to be close. I don't think Nevada wants even a remotely close game with these guys. I think they want to show up, um, come to Lawler, and really show what they can do. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at this box score from, from last time they played them, it was no one person got in double-digit scoring, which is incredibly bad. And um, I think it was just our to say what our f- off- offensive efficiency was and then now what it has become is um, great to see. Yeah, no. Uh, look at looking at Caleb Martin. He's he shot the ball two of fourteen from the field, one of seven from deep. This is something that I know we've seen uh, Caleb definitely improve, and I think this um, improve his efficiency. And I think this is something that I think we'll definitely see not happen in his poor efficiency. But you also got you also got to worry about uh, Colorado, or New Mexico's rebounding. They out rebounded Nevada by ten. You're not going to win games when you get out-rebounded by 10. They had multiple people who had double-digit rebounds. They had 14 offensive rebounds. So those are just second-chance points. Right. Yeah, those, I was just about to say that. Those are, those are easy second-chance points that, um, you know, they're just able to convert, and we definitely need to limit that rebounding. Um, I think playing Colorado State might be nice just because we can have that emphasis on bigs and then, again, going to New Mexico State keeping that same emphasis on, you know, crash the boards, crash the boards, get rebounds, get those second chance points. And um, we really got to limit uh, Anthony Mathis, who dropped 27 last time on us. So I think if we rebound and lock down the people we're supposed to lock down, I think we can get this W. Yeah, Nevada, and we, we talked about this earlier on the show, Nevada's efficiency when it comes to handling the ball. Uh, Nevada, Nevada had 11 assists and 14 turnovers. That's a very rare sighting to see. Yeah. Uh, from a Muslim coach team, you have a team uh, to turn the ball over more than you have assists. But I do think Nevada will come away with the, uh, I wouldn't say easy win, but I think the Wolfpack fans will make will make New Mexico feel like uh, this is like a true hostile road game, like what people uh, hype up the pit as to right. be a hostile road game. So I do think, I do think uh, Wolfpack fans will be out full force to support the team, and I think Nevada will win by 10-plus. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I think uh, the effort level, though, shown by the pack is just going to be outstanding. I think they're going to want to blow this team out. And like I said, it being in Lawler is just going to be incredible. Um, it's going to be so loud. I think we're going to win by 10 to 15 points. I just, I think it's not going to be easy, but I think the team's going to play incredibly hard just because of what happened last game. Um, and we've been clicking ever since Arguably this game, halftime of Air Force, we've been clicking like crazy. So I think our offense efficiency is going to continue to um, go up, and I think we're going to beat them by 10, 15 points. Yeah, and it's it's weird to see that New Mexico is 3-6 and six in conference. They're third to last in the Mountain West. They're, they have a record at 9-12. and 12. Right. So I, I do think Nevada is mad, and they, they'll, they'll come out heated. But anything else you'd like to add for basketball? Yeah, I think it's great how we moved up to number six in the country. Um, Well-deserved. I was kind of getting scared that we weren't going to move up anymore in the, in the year, but now up to number six in the country and looking to continue it, to move up. It only took two uh, top ten teams to fall. Right. <laughs> Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah. So it was good to see Nevada 21-1. and one. Getting some love. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just announced on Monday that Cody Martin was added to the Bob Cousy finalist. Award list, which is uh award for the top point guard in the nation. Yep. As Mo said, he's playing 
as good as anyone uh, at his position. Right, you can definitely make an argument of how well he's distributing the ball, scoring, everything, turnover rate. You can make an argument for one of the best in the country for sure. Uh, continuing with basketball, we have a very special interview with Ow. former uh, Nevada basketball player and former Nev- Coach Moss holdback guy, yep. Hallis Cook. Uh, enjoy the interview. We are joined by former Nevada uh, basketball player, Hallis Cook. Hallis, how's it going? I'm good, man. Just another day in, in Jersey, trying to stay warm. It's actually a nice day out here finally, so everything's going good. Just working hard and, and or figure out my next move. That's good to hear. First uh, first basketball question. Uh, following the game Saturday, have you received an offer from Eric Musselman to be the official holdback guy? <laughs> nah, no offer like that. Nah, but uh, you've seen Coach, Coach, uh, Coach Rex get up pretty fast, but it was a little bit too late. He he he! You gotta be there. As soon as you see coach call over the ref, you gotta be there. That's that's the only tip I got for him. I could give out tips, but I, I'm not up for hire now. Uh, now, how did that happen? Like, did you just like were you just like assigned it, or was that just your job at no, on the team? No, that's just that's just who I was as a player. I just I know times you know coach would get get frustrated and heated with referees, and I know that it can affect the game and uh, you know my teammates and and, and also the flow of the game and. And it could dictate, you know, how the game goes. So I was just like, man, coach, we don't need no technicals. Don't give them no momentum. And I just kind of embraced it myself. And then people started taking notice of it. So it was pretty fun. It was a cool little thing. <laughs> Any tips to coach how he can become uh, the assistant coach on how he can become a better holdback guy? Just just have his ears, have his ears ready and just keep his eyes open and, and just watch it. Coach and the rest, just keep his eyes on him and watch the Tony use it. <laughs> so – as we mentioned, uh, what was it like to what was it like to go through the Sweet Sixteen run uh, with multiple comebacks against Cincinnati, against Texas, and then the heartbreaking loss to Chicago? What was that NCAA tournament run like? Man, it was honestly the best experience of my my college career. Honestly, just because knowing the adversity we had to overcome, we lost Lindsey. You know, we lost Darian during the year, so we were really short on guys. And we knew we had the talent between the six, seven guys we had playing. So, like, man, we just did everything we got. And Coach always gave us a great game plan to go out and execute. So, that was great right there with that. So, we just had to go out there and use our talent and uh, and just have fun. And we had great chemistry. You know, we were real close off the court. We didn't care about who was scoring what. You know, everybody played their role and embraced it. And uh, we did things that um, – we did things on that run, man, that didn't show up on the – on the, uh, on the sheet, and you see it still linger there today. Like, you know, when, we watch, when I watch games now, I see a lot of things we do in drills, a lot of things that we built with the culture that we did last year. A lot of new guys, you know, stepping into roles and stepping in and contributing right off the bat. You know, Jazz, I was always big on Jazz. It was the first time I seen him play. And, and seeing him now out there and, and doing the same thing, started with, you know, Cam, guys that came and believed in Coach Mustard's plan from the beginning. And that's all we did. We just executed Coach Mustard's plan. You mentioned Jazz. What was it like having him um, sit out the year and practice with the team? Uh, it was fun. Well, he didn't really get to practice uh, during the year because he had the shoulder injury. But uh, he was always there vocal. He would always come to me <laughs> on tough days, you know, where, where maybe I didn't have the same energy. I would have the day, like, to start the week, like Thursday or Friday during the practice. And he'd be like, come on, house, we need your energy. And he was always, you know, being a good spirit, being a good teammate. And, and just picking everybody up. And now you see him out there on the floor now. Whenever the team needs a lift, he's playing that same kind of role 
that, you know, Josh and I played off the bench last year. He comes in, he, he's, he's averaging maybe 10 or 12 points a game. He's an energy on defense, a little pest, you know, and he's handling the ball. So from him doing what he did, his sitting out here, the way he took care of his body and, and got his core stronger and lost all that body fat, it's just, you know, it's just a compliment to his hard work. And, you know, he comes from the good people and his dad. So it's it, it, it no, it no surprise for me to see him having the success he's having. Speaking about sitting out years, you transferred, uh, played at three different uh, Division One schools. What is that like for a player having to sit out a season, uh, trying to get into better basketball shape without playing any games? I mean, it depends on the circumstance. You know, I'm sure for me it was it was pretty tough because I went through a lot of personal things like you know the hip surgeries, my parents getting cancer, all those things, different things. So if you're if you're a kid going through stuff like that, you can, you can easily Forget about basketball being being the main thing, but for a kid that you know that that just has a situation where he's transferred for this one year, he gets to work on his game, no distractions and everything. It could be a real big benefit. Um, some people I feel like it could hurt. You know, looking back now, I'm like, man, doing all that sitting now and stuff. You know, my body getting older and all, all those things. I don't regret anything. And some and some of the situations I you know it led to me having to transfer. So. Um, and, of course, all the experiences and the relationships I've made from it is, is great. So it's just like, man, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's all it's all about who the person is and what the situation is. And, and if you're looking for your one particular thing, my particular thing was to win and go to the tournament. And from the first time I transferred, and I did that twice, and I was a part of 2 So for me, it was a, a successful move. But for some people, it's different. So you, yeah, you mentioned uh, you were part of two uh, Sweet Sixteen runs, one with Iowa State in twenty sixteen. What what ultimately led you to transfer to Nevada? What was Coach Muss's uh, selling point? Um, just well, one I played against him when he's at Arizona State and I was at Oregon State, and I had a good game. And I remember he like quoted one of my tweets or, or one of my quotes. He had tweeted it out, so I was familiar with the name. And then just his background as an as NBA coach, you know, I just know that I can learn the game from him. I know he's a demanding coach, and a lot of kids, they don't want that demanding coach, and they don't like that guy who's going to be crazy and in your face and all that. But, you know, there's kids out there that need that guidance that don't have, you know, that guidance, and I feel like that's what separated him and Nevada from any other school that I had. I'm like, man, there's no other school that I'm going to go get better and have an opportunity to win. And he knows the system better than anybody else because he's been in the NBA, and I was trying to, I'm trying to get to the next level, so I feel like it was just a win-win. So um, you mentioned that you watch uh, a lot of Nevada games this year. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is the ceiling for this uh, this team this year? Like, wh- how far do you think they can make it? Oh man, me and Kendall were just talking about this the other day, and, and it's tough to you know we just talk, looking back at our run. You know what I'm saying? For for example. It was hard to win those two games. Just look at how we won. Like, we came back uh, from 22 down. So, this year, this team is different. Everybody knows going in, like, man, this Nevada team is good. They know Caleb Martin. They know Cody Martin. They know Jordan Caroline. And now they got even more firepower. So, it's like, it's all about what those guys coming in off the bench do, um, their chemistry and their buying, honestly. Like, when we share the ball, we move the ball. This team can put up 90 every night. When guys get caught up in shooting, shooting for their numbers and, and percentages and things like that, it's, it's harder. But if they really want to win as a team, that's what they'll do. So it's about the chemistry. It's about their buying into coaches, you know, game plan and, and his shot selection and all those things. All those little intricate things are very important to, to winning, winning and losing. That's what Loyola Chicago did. Like, that whole game, I remember leading up to that game, I was like, man, 
this this game been, I told the whole team in front like this game's gonna come down to who plays together for the first, the whole forty minutes like and you see when we came out we were up I think fifteen that game or thirteen. We got up early and we started playing, you know, one on one basketball. We stopped moving the ball. Next thing you know, Lloyd and Chicago got out on the run and then we're out of the game and they, we, we ended up losing by one. And it comes down to a one possession game and we could have won by double digits. So it's just all about staying together and then really embracing the moment and playing for the program. Do you still talk to any of the players on the team now? Yeah, every, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Like, what was your message? What was your message uh, to the team following the uh, loss to New Mexico, where they got uh, blown out, or like to some players? Uh, I, in that game, I didn't really say much to anyone. Uh, you know, they, they they saw what happened. I knew Coach Much was going to get on the way. I know how that, the whole process goes. Uh, no, no, no Nevada team will ever respond the wrong way after a loss. You know, like that. You see us last year get killed by San Diego State, and I don't think we came out a different team the next game. So it's just. Uh, then I gave them their space that game, but I knew going into that game it was going to be a tough one. I, I was on Twitter, and I think I watched I watched all the little press conferences and stuff, and I was on Periscope or whatever. I commented, I'm worried about that New Mexico State game because I just knew that we hadn't played in that environment last year, and I knew the time before how we played, and we came down to the overtime and all that dramatic win. So I, I was a little worried about that environment. But other than that, man, <laughs> I, I didn't have anything to say to them. And now they learn from it. And that's that one little tough pill that I had to swallow, and now they get to go out and everybody have that chip on their shoulder again. So it's been great, honestly, that loss. Yeah. Um, now, what do you think this this team has uh, reached heights that is yet to re- uh, that is not reached in program history, as we are currently ranked sixth in the nation? How high do you think Nevada can get in the in the AP top twenty five poll? Um, man, as long as they keep winning, all that stuff will take care of itself. But at the end of the day. Doesn't really mean anything in the whole grand scheme of things. It, it, as far as history goes for the school, that's great. But as far as us going into the tournament and seeding and all that stuff, it can hurt you because you could be matched up with a really tough, you know, uh, the higher seed you get, you get a tougher matchup that the team that's good but barely gets in because they had tough um, injuries or something like that. So it's all, it's all, it's all tricky that stuff. But like I said, it's all about how focused the team stays in and and, and how much they don't care about those little things. For them to be successful. Even, even dating back to last year, uh, Nevada was, was sort of known as a second-half team. What was it like inside the locker room listening to Coach Moss uh, give his game game plan adjustments and somehow fire up the team? Oh, it was fun, man. Uh, he, he, he was really good at it, honestly. <laughs> I told him sometimes I would send him a text after the game, like, man, you, you, have, you know how to get us ready to run through a wall for you. <laughs> It was so impressive the way he uh, stays on edge. Like, you you get a good victory, you, you can't get comfortable with Coach Musk because, you know, the next day he's going to be on edge. He's going to be like, man, I didn't sleep last night. I didn't. As a player. What, what is it like as a player, like, like learning from Musk and his very extensive NBA knowledge, like, or his extensive basketball knowledge from the NBA game to international, uh, even to the college level? I mean, that's from what I've learned with Coach Mus and and the great coaches I've played for. Bob Hurley had a chance to be around Coach Hoiberg every day and and watch film with him every day. So just from from being around Mus, just seeing how he ran the practice and and everything was second to none of those guys I just mentioned. Because like I said, he came with that same energy every day. He came with that same intensity, 
and he was never satisfied, obviously. Like, Coach always wanted more, always wants more, always wants more. And as long as you have that hunger and the vision and the plan as a man, man, the sky's the limit. And I feel like that's how Coach Missoula is and what he's done with the community, his shows. And like I said, that program, he, he doesn't have to, in my eyes, Coach Muss doesn't have to go there. He could, he could stay in Reno for the rest of his days if he wants to. Yeah, seeing, seeing how he's built a top 10 program and a program that yeah, stayed yeah. in the top 10 all season. Um, now, looking at uh, – you obviously played for Bob Hurley at St. Anthony's. What was it like playing for uh, one of the most recognizable high schools uh, in the nation as St. Anthony's has won 28 state titles, four national titles, and you played alongside uh, NBA player Kyle Anderson? Yeah. Man, it was it was a that was the foundation for me right there. That laid the soil and everything for me, for me to grow as a person and a player, coach. Uh, instilled that discipline in me, the work ethic that I needed to take to the next level, to where you're getting yelled at a coach, to where the work that you're, you're the workload that you're doing every day, and all, all the things you know how to handle it. Because when you're at St. Anthony's, you go through that four years. <laughs> four years at St. Anthony's is like college. Like you had to study hall at the school. Uh, we had a, a weight program. We had everything. So. By the time I got to Oregon State, it was like going through the breeze and playing with Kyle, the exposure was crazy. Like now, these days to this day, I'm home back. Every everybody knows me now. It's like I can't I can't go to the grocery store without seeing somebody that I know, which is which is crazy because I've been away from home so long. All these different schools I've been and stuff like that, you would think that you know nobody knows, but everybody follows. So it's it's just a crazy thing to see and and to be a part of that such a rich history. Is amazing, and I'm sick. I'm I'm pretty sad that's not you know I'm sad that's not there anymore. But coach now he has a a little foundation he's doing, and um I've, I haven't got to go to the gym yet. But he uh I worked out with a trainer that used to work out uh with me on high school at the Anthony's, and he, and coach he told me that coach Hurley said that I should just get into coaching while I'm not still lifting. <laughs> and uh, coach Musselman tells me that all the time as well to get into coaching. So it's something that's been on my mind back and forth for lately. <laughs> uh. Going, growing up in New Jersey, what brought you out? What made you originally commit to Corvette, uh, going to Oregon State and traveling cross country, uh, completely different weather? Uh, just, just the want, the, the want to to prove that I was a high major player that I could play with the best of them. And um, out of high school, I was real skinny and frail. I was a real good shooter. That, that's all I really had going for me. So uh, I had a teammate from San Diego, Devon Kyler, who was there. He was a senior. And I ended up going to Oregon State my freshman year, and I had a great, you know, a great run with them as far as individual stats and, and all that stuff. So I was like, man, from here I wanted to go and have more success, but as a team, and that's what made me lead to Iowa State. But Oregon State was really like the only high major school I had, and I had a great relationship with Coach Robinson and Nate Comedy. So I, I went out there, and um, it was just it just turned out that the program was was on the rebuilding stage and, and they rebuilt it pretty fast. They got a good coach with with uh Tinkle now. So that's what that's what kind of ended those things there. Uh you mentioned uh Oregon State was your only high major offer. What other um whatever what other offers did you have coming out of high school? A lot of Atlantic Ten, uh Bob Hurley I mean Danny Hurley, uh Rhode Island. I was really, really connected with those guys. Bobby was there at the time uh, recruiting me. Um I was really close with Shaka Smart at VCU. Um, I, the thing that stopped me from going there was uh, me having uh, my coach having cancer. That he, he couldn't get me out there to my uh, to my visit. So I, I didn't. That's what stopped me from coming to VCU. And then Jarius Lyles and then coming there. 
So that's where that soccer's going there. So if that never happened, I probably would have ended up at VCU. But since it did, I went to Oregon State and the Iowa State and that sort of stuff at Nevada. Uh, uh, growing up in Northern Jersey, what was it like uh, growing up in that scene? Because New York City is known for like is like one of the meccas of basketball. What was it like? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever have a chance to go play at Rucker or Dykeman? Yes, I played at Rucker and I played at Dykeman. Dykeman, I didn't play as much. I only played my senior year of high school um, with Dominican Power. I played one game or whatever. Got it, hit a three. Nothing big. <laughs> I, I actually moved out there at some point this this next following summer. I had the time, but I played in Rucker as well, like in a little all-star game. And it, it's a great environment, man. If you could play there, you could play anywhere in, the, in, the, in that environment because you got people yelling crazy stuff in the crowd. You got you got the everybody there with their phones out now, and everything goes on social media. So it's just a sick environment. It's a good social place. And Dykeman and Rucker Park is where everybody's at in the summer. And Friday nights, you got celebrities and A-list. A-list artists are coming out, so it's just a, a vibe that you can't find in a place like Nevada or or even Iowa State or Ames, wherever I've been. Like, a lot of the cops I've been, you just don't see that stuff going on over there. When I went to a couple of high school games in Nevada, I didn't see a lot of people out there. So it's just like people love basketball out here. And even with the Knicks that suck, the Garden still gets those tickets. So it's just people are crazy about their basketball in the Tri-State. Uh, yeah, no, looking at New Jersey, they've produced some good NBA talent in Kyrie, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyle Anderson. Were you close with other, like, other than Kyle Anderson, just like Kyrie or uh, Towns growing up with uh, this AAU circuit out in New Jersey, New York? Do you guys know each other? Yeah, Kyrie, I've been, Kyrie, we've been in the gym. We had the same trainer, so we've been in the gym at the same time a couple of times. Like, he knows of me. I'm not best friends with him or anything like that. But, uh, but yeah, we know of each other, and... Uh, I would say Carl Anthony Towns, that was like a little little brother to me at the time. <laughs> Just before he shot up and grew. And he, and then he grew on and he went he went to play sports U and he played on the team younger than mine. And uh he played a couple of tournaments up with us, so we spent a, a lot of a lot of couple months together during the summers. And his development has been crazy, man, let me tell you. Like I remember arguing back and forth at Iowa State with my teammates, like, man, this kid's gonna be the truth. He can shoot threes. I don't even know that he can shoot threes yet. Because when I knew him, all he did was shoot threes. He got to Kentucky, Coach Cal put him in the post. He was banging there, getting double doubles and stuff. But when I knew him, he didn't do any of those things. All right, how is wrapping up? Uh, what are your What are your final uh, with with the season wrapping up for Nevada? What are your uh, predictions of how what their final record for the regular season will be? How many more? How many more uh, games do we have right now? Let's take a. Uh, we got. I know we got Boise State on Wednesday, New Mexico Saturday. But after that, there is. I don't see us losing anywhere. I don't see us losing anywhere. The only tough opponent I, I'm worried about right now. There's is, nine. There's nine total there's games left. Nine total games left. Okay. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say I'm gonna finish thirty and one. Honestly. Great predict. I don't see anybody beating us. <laughs> I don't see anybody beating us right now. Now, do you watch? Yeah, by San Diego State, but that's it. Do you watch all the games? Yeah, all of them, all of them. Uh, well, that's good to know. Uh, that former <laughs> former Wolfpack players still support the program. All right, Hallis, thank you for joining Thanks. us on today's uh, on this on the episode this week. No problem, man. Thank you for having me.
We are back from break. Thank you, Howis, for joining us on today's show. Uh, really, really big guest. Um, was part of uh, the Sweet 16 run last year. Uh, but now we got to move into other sports. Uh, football has some news. Uh, something we didn't cover last week. We, we mentioned it uh, on our Going Away show last semester. McLean Mannix has announced his transfer. We didn't announce where. He's transferring to Texas Tech. Texas Tech is pretty ha- close to Midland, Midland, Texas. Right. So good for him, and we wish him the best of luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, completely the best of luck. I mean, it's sad that he had to go back on those um, circumstances, but we do wish him the best of luck. Best of luck from uh, here in Nevada. Um, we, I, I'm sure he's going to be a great football player, a great star to, to come. Um, and yeah, I wish him the best of luck in his future endeavor, yeah. endeavors. Yeah. If if they still run the uh, air raid offense in right. in uh, tex- at Texas Tech like they've done in the past, mm-hmm. he's gonna have great success. Oh, yeah. Great success there. But moving on to some br- uh, other news that have broke uh, this week, Nevada officially has its football schedule this week. Ow. So on August thirty first, they open their season at, uh, versus Purdue. Purdue is the second Big Ten team to come to Reno. Uh, the first being Northwestern in two thousand and six. Then they travel on the 7th to uh, Autzen Stadium in or- at Oregon. Then on uh, September 14th, they host a former Big West rival, Weber State. Uh, September 21st, they travel to El Paso to face UTEP. Uh, on the 28th of September, they open up conference play when they host Hawaii. On the, 8th, on the 5th of October is their first bye week, one of two bye weeks this year. Interesting to note. On the 12th of October, they faced... San Jose State, on the 19th of October, they traveled to Utah State, uh, a team that won a bowl game, was um, really good last year. Yeah, was pre- they, pretty, they were pretty good last um, year. Then on the 26th of October, they traveled to Wyoming. Then on the 2nd of November, they host New Mexico. On the 9th of November, they uh, traveled to San Diego to face the Aztecs. On the 16th of uh, they have a bye. On the 23rd, uh, they travel to Fresno. And then the 30th of November is their final home game of the regular season when they face Nevada Southern. Nevada plays six teams that made bowl games. Interesting to note. Hmm. But I think a rough patch for Nevada um, will be those. Uh, you look at the schedule, you see back-to-back at Fresno and at, at San Diego and at Fresno. Yep. That will be <clears> tough, <throat> but thank God we got a bye in between. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. San Diego and Fresno State, both um, – High-powered Mountain West teams. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to go into those those stadiums and look out for or, and try to get a W. Um, but I was I was more looking at the non-conference up uh, up towards the top with uh, Purdue and Oregon. That's that's gonna be hard for the team, but it's gonna be great to see that kind of exposure for our football team as well. Because if if they pull up uh, upset or or perform to um, you know different than everyone else is expecting, then we then that's a huge win for us. Um, but, yeah, the conference schedule is interesting to look at. We do have a bye between those two games, but it's still going to be definitely a hard two games to um, to travel to. Yeah, no, and I, I do think it's interesting to see because Nevada Nevada's non-conference schedule is top-heavy. But mm-hmm. then, like, you theoretically think Nevada could go they, – they could beat Purdue. Yeah. They beat – they it was a close game when they faced Purdue in 2016 – Granted, that was uh, Coach Pullian. Yeah. Uh, Oregon is going to be tough. Justin Herbert's back for yeah. them. 
Then they got Weber State, an FCS school. They got UTEP. They can beat. They got Hawaii, who didn't they beat them last year? Uh, we beat them last year. Yeah, we ble- we beat them last year, and we should we should beat them again. So you theoretically head into the bye week. You, you Nevada can be four and one, which would be great. And then you got after the bye week, you have San Jose State. So heading into Utah State, who lost its head coach, uh, he moved to. I think, I think he went to Texas Tech. Oh. So you theoretically head into that Utah State Utah State game, five and one. You're one win from a bowl game, and you got New Mexico, uh, UNLV, um, and some maybe San Diego State as teams who Nevada can beat. Right. So I think uh, definitely this is a schedule that favors uh, Coach um, Norvell. Coach Norvell, uh, yeah. yeah, especially looking at last year's definitely. Uh, especially looking at last year's non-conference, it was wasn't the easiest. You had to go to Vanderbilt, right? To um, to Akron, or no, to to Toledo. Toledo's uh one of the top teams in the MAC. So I do think Nevada can improve and maybe I'll maybe win the Mountain West. Granted, this conference schedule is a little bit harder this year, although there's no Boise. But Utah State is a good team looking to continue on their success. Wyoming's a team looking to rebound, and yeah, yeah. I think I think. Um, I mean, we all know how Fresno is going to be. I, I, I can predict that Fresno is going to be the powerhouse of the Mountain West um, again. I mean, being finishing the the season ranked last year, winning their bowl game against ASU. Um, yeah, I think Fresno State is going to be the powerhouse. But I, I totally agree with you um, about the non conference schedule. I think we can squeak out a win against Purdue. I, I have a lot of faith in our football team this year, even though it's kind of. We're losing some big pieces. I think that we have a really good core, so I think we can squeak out um, that Purdue game and go three one, like you said. And then our conference schedule is um, difficult, but not overly difficult. Where I think we are going to get stomped on. I think we're going to have a great uh, conference schedule as well. So I'm I'm excited for the season to start. I think I think we're going to have great things to come for this football season. Yeah, no. Looking at the schedule, uh, as we mentioned, Utah State seven and one in conference. Wyoming four and four in conference. New Mexico one and seven in conference. UNLV two and six. San Jose State seven one and seven. Hawaii five and three. San uh, San Diego State four and four. So Nevada does face two teams who coming off seven. Who are coming off seven win conference seasons? Uh, they do face two teams who finish the season ranked. Fresno State finished eighteenth. Uh, Utah State finished twenty second. It'll be interesting to see how Nevada's team is different. Sure, you lost a key player, a key receiver, but and a key quarterback. Right, I was about to say that. And it'll be interesting to see who the quarterback going into camp is. You have Christian Solano. You also have a couple other recruits. You that last chance, I forget Malik his name. Henry. Malik Henry. Yep. Um. Yeah. No. And there were a couple other kids they brought in right. to the recruiting class, and so. It'll be interesting to see whether they they got they go with the veteran or they got I know they have a I know they they signed they had a kid redshirt this year or the kid they brought in a kid yeah and I think he was in the early talk of kind of going against Christian Solano uh, for quarterback this year that redshirt freshman I believe you're talking about and then obviously we have a lot of new recruits um we have uh what's, what do you say his name was Malik Henry Malik, yeah, we have Malik, Malik Henry. Henry so we have a lot of um quarterback pieces that we could eventually roll out in the season with but I think that's the number one thing we have to figure out going into 
um, you know, the start, we have to figure that out early before the rest of the team can really start working together is who's going to, who's going to be our quarterback. Who's going to really take the lead of this team and lead us to a successful season. Will it be Christian Solana who has proven that he's going to have some experience with, you know, sitting and understanding the offense and then getting some playing time last year. Or we could go with the young blood freshman who can bring a lot of energy to this team. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with completely what you're saying. There's a lot of pieces gone. But um, with our defense and with our um, young position players, I think we have a lot of promise and a lot of future as well. Yeah, no, um, I, I the freshman quarterback is Carson Strong. Uh, but they also recruited someone out of Georgia who three-star recruit. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but it'll be interesting to see, especially how fall camp goes. Malik Henry's walking on, right. so unlike David Cornwell, we're not Nevada's not taking any chances on him. They know he's not he's not going to be projected as the face of the face of the program like Cornwell was, uh, and so I don't think Pac fans are, are getting their I don't think Pac fans are getting their such high hopes uh, set for. Malik Henry, look, he jumped around schools. He was a five-star recruit committed to Florida State. Barely played there. Went to uh, the community college in Kansas. Right. Uh, last chance U star. But it'll be interesting to see uh, who who the quarterback, starting quarterback is for the first game. Right. And, and we touched about this last time we talked about Malik Henry. Um, but it's just like we, we have complete upside with, with him and not a lot of downside. The fact that he's a walk-on almost like can – kind of waves any any responsibility we really have kind of like if he if he messes up and if he's just a head case for the coaches then he's just a walk on we, we can just drop him but if he has a really really great season and it helps out our team a lot then we can just sign him to a scholarship and have him continue to keep helping our team so there's a lot of upside for him and um i think we have a bright bright future for this uh, football program you're right. What it like looking on? Uh, what are your expectations for uh, this Wolfpack team for next year? Uh, well, we got to we got to do for it to be any kind of successful season. We needed to eclipse what we did last year, right? So we got to go to a bowl game. We got to get a win. Um, I'd like to see a win at home against UNLV this year instead of losing the Cannon again. Um, but yeah, I think we need to go to. I think we need to go to a bowl game and get a dub. Um, I think that's kind of the pillar of how I'm kind of gauging the successful season. If we take a, a step back, that'll be kind of disheartening just because now we kind of want to see that um, the new era of football kind of continue to grow instead of taking a step back. If we saw a step back, it'd be kind of like, all right, then are we going to have to start rebuilding again? What kind of, where are we going to kind of go with this? So um, I'm definitely looking for a great season. I'm looking for maybe four losses, three losses, maybe, um, but definitely a bowl game and a bowl win to um, cement the successful season. I, I do think Nevada can go nine and three, but I'm yeah. looking more at eight and four. Mm -hmm. I know last year um, I project, I projected Nevada six and six on the year. We definitely well, uh, we went past that, yeah. uh, but it will be interesting to see how Nevada, um, starts with Purdue. Purdue's a Big Ten team. You're you're they they technically they theoretically recruit better. Yeah. But who knows if the talent Nevada has, because Nevada gets all four of its running backs back, mm -hmm. uh, barring none of them transfer, which I don't think any of it's happening. 
You still have some really good receivers. Yep. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the defense, how that defense uh, fills a lot of key holes. Nephi Sewell is gone. Uh, Malik Reed, Damian Baber, Asani Rufus, those people who tr- either transferred or graduated. So it'll be interesting to see how Jeff Castile uh, fills, fills those holes. Yeah, I think if anything, though, it kind of shows how great our defensive coaching was and what Jeff did at um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think no matter who we have lining up, it's really the kind of game plan and the intensity and kind of like the uh, culture you set around your defensive team. I'm not worried about the defense just because of our defensive coordinator and our schemes. I mean, we played great defense game in and game out last year and it really showed with our defensive coordinator and our defensive stars that stepped up so we are losing some people but I think we have a great core to not really take a step back with this team but continue to take step forwards and hopefully I mean eight and four would be a great season um so let's hope for that I mean that that'd be a great season and uh that would definitely be a step forward yeah wrapping up today's show um I just wanted to mention that uh, softball starts its season this weekend. Um, they will give you a full uh, recap of that next week's show. They are partaking in the UC Davis slash Sac- Sacramento State tournament where they have four games uh, this weekend. They have two on Saturday where they face Santa Clara and Sacramento State. And the two games Sunday where they face San- UCS, Santa Barbara, and UC Davis. So we wish them the best of luck. Also coming on next week's show, we'll give you a full-on baseball pr- predictions and uh, look-ahead, season look-ahead. Their season starts next weekend. But with that being said, we thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.